I think the great ceiling cat is trying to tell me something. It's been the fourth consecutive time that after coming home from a bike ride, there is a young cat in my backyard. And every time it's a different cat. The first time it was this multicolored cat. Um, after that was a black cat, also quite young, a bit more shy than the, than the other one. And the third one was an orange cat, tabby cat. And this past Sunday I came home from mass and there was this gray cat sitting on the grass looking at me as I parked my bike. And then it just stayed there, it didn't run away. And so I, uh, I hunched down and, and called it towards me and immediately it came and touched my, my fingers and started to, to walk around me in circles and uh, give me hugs and everything. <laughs> We're leaving its scent marks. I think that's actually what the cat is doing. And then it started to talk to me like the other three cats had already also done. And it's not the usual meow, but it's these little kind of bird-like chirping sounds. Like, like starting up a conversation. And I have to be honest, my cat is quite rusty. And so I don't speak cats very well. But there are also nonverbal ways, of course, to communicate. And so I... I caressed it and stroked it and after a while it got bored and, and went away. But that was the fourth cat, fourth individual cat that wants to be friends with me. What is ceiling cats trying to tell me there? <laughs> anyway, welcome to another episode of The Walk. I'm walking in the woods on a beautiful day. The sun has been shining since this morning. I was up very early because um, I'd seen a, a, that there was a, a very, you know, high-quality uh, broiler pan in, on offer in one of the stores in the adjacent town of Ede. And uh, I, I'd heard that uh, in many cities and towns, uh, they had already sold out because it's a, it's, it was a massive discount. It's a very good quality cooking pan. And, um, and so I stepped on my bike first thing in the morning and 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 rode to they had two stores actually of the same chain in the town the first one they were all sold out and the second one thankfully had still one pan left so i brought that home this time there was no cat waiting for me but it was actually quite nice it was um it was a form of course of exercise in the morning that's how I justified this uh, excursion, this culinary excursion. But riding my bike in the sunshine that early in the morning, it was still cold, uh, really gave me a, a, a fantastic boost in energy. And this is something that I have learned uh, ever since I tried to improve my sleep hygiene and to improve the quality of my overall like energy balance or energy management one of the best things you can do the moment you wake up is to expose yourself to daylight and to do some physical exercise if possible and this actually combined the two what it will do is it 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 reboots your overall 
circadian rhythm. And uh, even if you had maybe not the ideal amount of sleep the night before, it will do like a, a reboot, and uh, especially at the beginning of the week, that's very welcome. So I'm, I'm full of energy this morning. I feel really good. And I wanted to share with you a couple of things um, that happened recently, this past week. Some of them super positive, others have caused me some worry and uh, where you just took me some time to process. Um, let's start with the positive, with the, the things that are going really well. I, I, this is already the end of the month. And this first month, this first month of January has been so extraordinary. It's almost as if this year I've gone over a hurdle mentally and everything starts to flow. This is the first time since the, the beginning of the pandemic and COVID that I feel like I'm, I'm in a certain way, I'm back. And I have a very, very clear view of what I want to do. And I'm actually doing it. <laughs> so this past week, I've been uh, uh, writing for the website that I'm, uh, that I'm building. This is a, a revamp. It's actually not a revamp. It's a, c a complete reboot of the website that um, you go to when you type in fatherroderick.com. So it's been a WordPress website for, for years, but because of my new initiatives, I wanted something a bit more uh, streamlined, more modern, that makes it much easier to set up courses and to host coaching sessions and, and also to, um, to host podcasts and to bring it all under one umbrella. So in, what I've been doing is... is um, creating this website page by page. So you've got the opening page and then I create landing pages. I'm, uh, I'm working on importing the, the podcast episodes. And one thing that was so cool to do is to bring back or to start working on bringing back the Catholic Insider. And so I, I've been working with Inge this past week to create a list, an RSS feed linked to all the existing episodes of the Catholic Insider that were still online, but they were no longer accessible because the RSS feed itself was not online. And we used that to import the existing material into this new website. And then I have been compiling a list of all these different episodes. And what I want to do is to retain those that are proper documentaries like audio documentaries or as we called it at the time sound seeing tours where I take you to various countries be it Rome or France or Greece or Spain or Italy and so Rome of course not a country but anyway <laughs> you know what I mean and then um, I've been looking at my own archives because I know that I have still a number of episodes that I never got around uh, to editing some stuff that I recorded in various places and for whatever reason I never finished editing those particular episodes and I'm currently going uh, through the various years of podcasting and determining which episodes are timeless are evergreen and which ones are more kind of casual episodes before long before I had the walk and the break 
uh, the Catholic Insider was the only podcast that I did, and it was a mix of both these audio documentaries and then regular episodes that are very much <clears throat> akin to what I do on the break. It's just all these various topics that I talk about. It's more a chat. And when I listened back to some of those episodes, I realized this is so not relevant anymore. Um, it's interesting, of course, to keep it in an archive as uh, maybe a, a, a way to document how I've grown in my own podcasting. But in terms of content, there's no value in there anymore, hardly any value other than nostalgia. And so those go out. What I keep are those tours. And it was even emotional when I was listening back to some of the stuff that I recorded during the conclave. Um, while I was on the Camino. And it feels as if I'm listening to something I recorded yesterday. There's such a presence in those impromptu episodes. And there's also something very peculiar. When I listen to those shows that are more like the break, where I just talk in front of a microphone, they feel weird. It, I don't recognize my own voice anymore. The whole style of talking is, feels very scripted and just unnatural and I, 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 can, um, I, can, I can tell how much I've evolved in just being myself in front of the microphone. But the moment there is an episode where I go outdoors, where I walk outside, where I'm in a city or um, somewhere in nature, I sound exactly the way I sound today when I'm recording the walk. It feels so much more natural <laughs> and i think it's because when you're walking and when you're describing a place where you are uh you forget you 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 forget to worry about how do i come across and you're just in the moment and uh i i just see that i i'm so much more the same <laughs> the same person i i was back then and so that makes those episodes even more timeless. What I'm going to do is to divide them into seasons. And this is also um, preparing what I'm going to do this year with the Catholic Insider, because um, this is something I want to do on a regular basis again. I think there's something really fun and unique about this kind of audio material. There, there are not that many podcasters that do it in this way, especially not uh, priests that are walking around talking about church history and exploring places. So um, this year I will be recording four seasons of the Catholic Insider and every season will be centered around a particular trip. And so every first month of the quarter year I'll be going on a, on a journey. And the only, the only month uh, that I that I'm not is this particular month uh, because January uh, was important for just for all, all the other stuff. But one of the fruits, I think, of this first month of planning and, and rethinking what I do is this plan to, um, to go on a journey four times a year and to link that to um, hopefully also a service that I want to provide to the people and to the parishes of the country where I travel to. And so it's my plan to go from parish to parish, maybe even to monasteries or 
dioceses and help these people and help these groups to improve their online presence, their online communication. And uh, I think it's a wonderful way to combine uh, my coaching plans with the, the traveling that will provide a lot of, I think, cool material for, uh, for the Catholic Insider. The other thing that I've decided to do is to bring the travel documentaries, the video ones, also under the same brand, the same name. It's, it's just one thing. It's my earliest brand. I've, I've done the Catholic Insider since 2005. And so it's the oldest running Catholic podcast in the world, that, at least the one that's still running. <laughs> and, um, and they're all travel themed, especially once I have reconstructed these seasons and, and I've taken out the stuff that is no longer uh, interesting. And, and so I'm also rediscovering a number of, uh, of, of episodes that have never been listened to. And so it's really cool to re-edit those and bring them online as well. Um, so that's... And that's... Uh, I have to say, we're reconnecting with myself from those early years of podcasting is almost like it feels like time travel and it's fun to hear that in those moments where i'm where i'm outside where i'm traveling and meeting people and discovering things i am very much the same person despite the fact that i was doing all that in a context where i was still struggling with a lot of inner pressure and trying to do too much etc you know um, the things i've been sharing with you about that lately and so the even though in the the programs that i made are still very similar to what i do today the person that makes this stuff has changed and has grown so much it's interesting by the way that i read an article uh what, what was it yesterday or the day before yesterday uh, about the current panic among uh members of the generation z that they were aging and so you have all these young people um, posting updates on TikTok that they, uh, they feel that they're getting old and they're talking about like we're, we're, we're getting old as quickly as milk or something. Is that the, the, <laughs> the metaphor that they use? And, they, and some of them are panicking that they will turn 30. That's so old. Well, I'm here way beyond the age of 30. And I can say, well... 30 is like super young. There is still so much ahead of you. And, and in fact, that's a wonderful experience to grow older and wiser. Hello. And uh, it's one of the things that maybe I can share also in my updates for that younger generation is to help them to deal with the fact that, well, we're all evolving. We won't be teenagers for the rest of our lives. And But there's so much that life has to offer you if you stop worrying about getting older and just embrace the the grace that comes with every phase in your life and looking back on the previous 20 year 25 years it's been 25 years since i was turning 30 i have to say that i wouldn't have i wouldn't want to miss the what those years have yielded in terms of growth in terms of maturity, wisdom, and also experiences, I wouldn't, wouldn't trade it for the world. And there is so much 
a healing that took place during those those years, especially in the five last years. And I'm thinking, you know what? Maybe this is the the age where you become more and more yourself. And when you're young, you're still, in many ways, your life is still um, determined by the things you have to do, things you want to do for yourself, for your, you know, building up your career, uh, creating a good income, etc., etc. I'm now at an age where a lot of those pieces are already into place and I can focus more on, not on what I do, but who I am and who I want to be. And so it's, uh, anyway, that's, a, that's an aside, but I thought it was interesting to see that especially Generation Z is now all of a sudden discovering the, the, <laughs> the mortality side of life, which, you know, it's just comes with the package. There's no escape. We will all grow old. And at one point we were all leave this, this life and hopefully discover that there is more to life than just the one that we are currently living here on earth. So anyway, uh, also looking back on this past month, um, I'm, I'm super grateful for the new encounters uh, that I've had based on this idea of, of helping people to discover what their particular role can be on social media. And it was wonderful to work with uh, this publishing company in the Netherlands that I've accompanied. And, uh, and I'm also setting up some coaching with individual people. And I have some really cool ideas about, um, about webinars and, and about creating um, uh, maybe a recurring, like a monthly group to coach people in in group form anyway lots of stuff it's still still in its early stages and um, i'm taking my time to develop these things carefully and of course also some sometimes i may be a little bit too optimistic um, in my planning but that is i now know that that is just because my adhd brain is rigged that way and there's nothing there's nothing to worry about I'd rather have too many ideas than, than too few. And so uh, whenever I, I've been too overly optimistic, I can tell myself, well, you know, what do you want? It's part of having ADHD and it's not a problem. Let's see what, what is most important for the weeks to come and work and f- try to refocus on that. And that whole attitude of being clement, is that a, I, I like the word clemency, but to be kind to yourself and understanding and at times even forgiving I feel is uh, that's a that's an art that I'm practicing more and more and it's doing a lot of good not only in the way I treat myself and talk to myself but I know that this is also hopefully visible and can be experienced by the people that I'm in contact with the more I have patience with myself, the easier it is to have patience with certain situations or certain people. And, to, and, and the more I am able to uh, kind of, I'm hesitating to say it this way, but to lower my own standards. And I'm not talking about yeah, like good goals or setting goals. I'm, I know how powerful that can be, but sometimes you, you want so much and you're so hard on yourself 
that you're also hard on other people and impatient. And it's, the way you treat others is often a reflection of the way you treat yourself. And anyway, I'm, I'm very grateful to be where I am in this phase of my life. However, the, the, there was also a difficult moment this past week that also deals with the same, the same topic. And um, I have to give you a little bit of context. So in the Netherlands, I've been working in Catholic media for as long as I've been a priest. And I've always tried to do that in a positive, uplifting way. Um, even on television, a lot of people told me that watching my TV show made them happy, gave them hope. Um, and I've, I've always felt that there, there's, so much, um, there's so much good news that, that I can share. Why would I focus on what's negative? That's not making me happy. And it's, not, it's not helping anyone. But I was relatively alone when it comes to other initiatives in Catholic media. A lot of them um, try to define their identity based on what they, what they were afraid of, what they were worried about, what they disliked or disapproved. And that's a very common thing. We see this in politics every day on the news where um, there are large groups in our current society that feel the need to define themselves in opposition to those that are not part of the, of the social group or that don't share the same ideals. And even in the church, you see the same attitude where um, it's very uh, common that religious groups define themselves by saying what they're not and what, they're don't, what they don't want to be. And so it's join us and then you're... You're in the clear, but certainly don't go with the culture, with the values of these times. Don't be like this or that person and instead be good like we are good. Um, I've, I've, I've seen this type of behavior mostly in situations where groups or people feel threatened by others, where they feel that they are not free to to live out the values that they think are important, um, where their own social group is, is getting smaller or is being attacked, the more there is pressure on what you consider to be the lifestyle that you want to live, the, 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 the values you think we should share in our society the more there's pressure on that the more that is threatened the more there is this reaction to condemn that and to be afraid uh, or to sometimes also uh, hide that fear or to in that fear to hide behind an exterior wall where you project yourself as this invincible fortress of of certainty of truth or however you want to define that um in my country uh, i'm not telling you anything new the catholic church 
is under a lot of pressure. Uh, the, the values that we stand for, the things that we believe in, are being attacked or ridiculed, and lately more and more just simply ignored by the majority of people in our society, uh, by the media, by polit politicians. And uh, there's a lot of pressure on the faithful to keep that in the private sphere. You know, too bad for you if you still, be still believe in God and in fairy tales, uh, as long as you don't push your values in the public sphere. That seems to be the overall attitude. This, of course, in itself is a reaction to a society in which that same church or those same churches were extremely dominant in daily life and also impose their values on the rest of society. There's always this back and forth in history between times of very intense uh, religious uh, awareness or a strong religious culture and then times where all that seems to to crumble and disappear and then there is a, a almost like a time of uh, like a counter reaction. It's, it's a bit like uh, children growing up and at one point uh, there is a time in their lives that they, they copy everything as that you do as parents that you stand for and then at one point they discover, well, wait a minute, I don't agree with this or I want to be myself and then it can turn into the opposite behavior where there's like nothing that mom and dad stand for or say, uh, nothing of that is of interest in me and I, I want to hide for my parents. <laughs> I certainly don't want them to show up when I'm with my friends because... Uh, I'm embarrassed. <laughs> and I think that kind of the same thing is happening on a larger scale in society as well. So the, what I've seen a lot in my own country is that in uh, Catholic media and among uh, fellow priests, and uh, you see this with certain bishops as well. That's my watch telling me. Oh, it's just measuring my walk, telling me that I walked another kilometer. Um, the... The attitude is one of uh, hostility towards society. It's again, it's a reaction against those attacks. Well, but <laughs> society is going to hell, <laughs> literally, if you don't follow the ideals and values that we Christians stand for. So it's, it's a, kind of the, the core. Uh, friction, I think, in all those culture wars. It's, uh, this, this is basic, basically two groups that are afraid of one another and feel that it's, it's easier to define yourself by saying who you're not and what you don't stand for rather than entering into a dialogue and see what you can contribute and learn from one another. Um, so one of these priests that was very visible in the media uh, was a, a, a religious, was part of a religious community, and he was very vocal, um, and I met him a couple of times. Uh, even when I came back from, I wasn't a priest yet, but I came back from my five years in Belgium, and I wasn't sure where to go next, and so I also considered briefly that maybe monastic life would be something for me, so I had conversations with some of these monks, and uh, one of the priests that I spoke to 
that was a long time ago. I think he himself had just entered the, the community um, and just told me about the kind of life that he was leading. And so those early contacts were very positive, very kind, uh, friendly, smart guy, very smart. Um, but over the years, especially these last couple of years, um, he was getting more and more um, motivated to... Uh, he was working in, the, in Catholic media, but he used it almost exclusively as a, as a tool to, <laughs> to, to voice his own opposition against tr- trends in society. Uh, there was always a lot of uh, very, very bitter commentary on what he considered LGBTQ plus uh, ideology or gender ideology. It was almost every time that subject came up, it was countered with a very strong intellectual, but also bitter and, um, how do I say that, intransigent attitude like this is this is this is the this is a, a culture of the enemy this is we don't want anything to do with that this is danger to society it's certainly a danger to the church and um and a, a lot of the a lot of, of what he was publishing and what he wanted catholic media to be had to do with this ongoing concern that he had about where society and where the church was going and uh, it was getting more and more <clears throat> uh, colored by that. Even you know the way he was talking about Pope Francis it was almost exclusively in this very bitter way, very uh, much like this is the worst pope that we've ever had. And uh, but because he was also a very smart guy, he knew how to justify those positions and to explain what he thought where the church should be going. Anyway. This past week, we got uh, very sudden news that he had died. Uh, He was only 65 years old. So I'm thinking, that's only 10 years older than I am. I always felt that he was someone who's contemporary, (laughs) the same generation. I will be his age 10 years from now. And so that came as such a shock, especially because he, he was a very active guy at lots of plans. But there was something about the way in which it was voiced that made me think, well, maybe this is not a not because of an illness or a heart attack or something that maybe there is uh there is there this was a personal choice, which it turned out to be the case and that made me uh very much aware i I felt very sad about that because it made me realize that um, what we often... Oh, hold on. My phone uh, or my watch is telling me that I need to start wrapping things up here. <laughs> but um, it, it confirms something that I've often felt. Like if there is a lot of bitterness and a lot of negativity in the way someone speaks, um, it often comes from a place of pain. And sometimes people are very ready or you know they don't they don't mind telling people why they are they ha- they experience that pain but there are also other people that you don't know what's truly going on on the inside of someone um nor I, do i believe that we have the right to inquire because i think that's that's private 
but it saddens me so much when you realize that all that hurt that this person must have been carrying on the inside also was in hindsight very visible in the way that he spoke about others and his view of society and of the church and of other people and it's uh it made me think a lot so i had a couple of you know nights where i didn't sleep that well because i was constantly asking myself well what can we do about how can we prevent situations like this how can we because i know that this person is not the only one who's struggling with maybe a lot of inner pain but feels that it's just not necessary to seek help or or maybe live in a in a environment where they don't feel safe to talk about it um and the i knowing how much this journey of my myself or uh, that i went through on for the past couple of years how much um it has changed me in in and how much like focusing on my mental health and how to deal with trauma how to uh, relearn in a certain way how to talk to myself it has made me so much milder and so much more i don't know patient with myself and with others and i i'm i'm always worried that if the church and this this happens everywhere in the world if there is so much acidity so much bitterness in the way the church speaks even if intellectually they can explain do we really see do we ask the right questions have we nurtured an environment where people feel safe enough to to say when they're not okay and it's okay to be not okay or is that a taboo where especially people of faith feel like well I am supposed to be an example so as long as I pray enough as long as I show people my orthodox faith I can't be weak I can't have these problems because I'm praying am I not so won't god just shouldn't shouldn't god take that away from me but the thing is as han solo told finn <laughs> that's not how the force works of course god listens to our prayers also if we are hurting if we struggle with things but he also offers us help um in in the form of 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 experts that we can um that we can ask to help us in this process to if you are ill it's not enough to pray to god if you don't go and see a doctor and so i i went and, and, and i think even in the hierarchy of the church uh and this is true for regular priests and and priests in a religious order shouldn't the leaders be also to a certain extent doctors and have a, take the pulse of their priests 
and other people that work for the church and care for their well-being and ask, just ask, how are you doing? I don't see that happening very much. And it's maybe because we are so obsessed with self-preservation. We're so focused on fighting the good fight, you know, trying to hold up our identity in a world that from certain people's perspective is crumbling, that we forget that ultimately being church is not just to define yourself in contrast with society or people that you don't like or don't share your values, but that what ultimately defines you is how do you, how are you church? Are you truly a a community of people that care for one another, that are, that is attentive for the well-being of its members, that is where you feel that you can find support. Um, And it's especially that caring environment that I think we should nurture and we should stimulate so much more, because this is, I think, where the church can also really make a difference in our societies, where for young people especially, it's very hard to find a safe environment where you can be yourself completely, where you are loved regardless of where you are in life right now. And for me, this unconditional love is what defines God and what should define the church. Before we judge, we should love. And love will make us very careful to not judge too quickly but to always inquire how we can help someone to grow. I wonder if we realize this very important mission that we have, if we realize that enough. Anyway, so that that made me sad. And also, after this initial sadness motivated me even more to continue with this mission that I, uh, that I'm on, in this wild world of internet media, where I have the privilege to be in contact with hundreds of thousands of young people, many of whom are currently in a situation where they don't feel that the church is supporting them or understands them or wants to listen to them. And I want to make that really, for this year, um, starting this year, like a much more explicit part of my mission towards the geeks. For a long time I felt that my my primary mission was to explain the faith and to build bridges with a younger generation by uh, by informing them. But I think it's it goes beyond that. What I truly want to do is to form, not to inform people, to form them, to help them to to grow in life, to grow in faith and to realize that those two are not exclusive on the contrary that a healthy walk in faith can help you have a healthy walk in life but i have to be the first one who 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 tr- who practices that every day i cannot help other people if i'm not applying what i learn from my faith to my own personal life so anyway that's what I wanted to share with you. It's, a, it's going to be quite the mission, but I am very honored and happy that th- 
this is what I can do. And being a little bit older also helps because I've got more experience, I've got more stories to tell, and, and hopefully I can make that, uh, I, that can be a benefit for the people um, that, that I encounter. Thanks for listening. Um, I'm going to talk a little bit more with my patrons in the premium part of the show. And, you know, uh, if you want to support this mission, if this is important uh, to you as well, um, just join my community and become a monthly supporter. And you can do that by going to my website uh, or to the Patreon site and, uh, and join one of the tiers. Thanks for listening. We'll talk soon. God bless.